And we're going to have some fun with this series. We're going to do some different stuff throughout it. And uh, it's going to be fun. This entire series is over one thing. It's over relationships. All different variations of relationships, especially the goal of marriage. How many of you recognize most every song in that video? Yeah, yeah. You ever sing it into your phone? Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just me. No, I'm not a singer. I'm going to try a little bit of it today, but I'm not a singer. That's already got you nervous, isn't it? Before we go any farther, hey, turn to somebody sitting next to you and just say, hey, how are you doing over there? Give them a little fist bump, a smile, something like that. Get them going. I'm excited about this series because we're trying some different stuff. We're going to have some fun, uh, but our goal is to help each of us get better at relationships, get better at relationships. How many know it's like the greatest thing in the world and the toughest thing in the world, right? That's relationships in a nutshell. It is the greatest reward when it's going right. It is the most incredible thing in our lives when it's going right. And when it's not going right, it's tough, right? Yeah, that's the way it is. And, and I have a few rules set up for us for this series, okay? Some rules that we're going to try to stick by each week. Number one is the messages are for you. They're not for your spouse. Can I get an amen? They're not for your boyfriend or girlfriend or your fiance or your future. It, th- these are for us. Let, us. let us take what God speaks to us during these messages and apply them to our lives. Amen? We're the ones that's going to dictate who we have relationships with. Amen? So this is for us. The second, the second rule is don't look back. And the reason I say that is this, because we all have a past. And one thing I know about God, I mean, there's a couple of things, but one of the best things I know about God is that he is a God of new beginnings. Could I get an amen? Like, I don't care if you've been married 19 times, this number 20 is going to be it, baby. All right. Are you with me? Can we encourage our people that have been married 19 times, please, and just get a big amen? Hey, we're for you. We're not judging. Nobody in here is, and we're not worrying about the past. We're going to worry about the future. That's what we can control. Amen? And the third thing is I'm going to try my best to be 100% honest in this series. Because out of all the things that affect us in our lives, relationships may be one of the biggest. For sure one of the biggest. And so I want to be able to be honest. If it sticks to you, great. Say, thank you, Lord. Let's move on. If you get upset, take it up with Jesus. He gave me these messages, okay? And let's apply these things to our life and get better at relationships. Amen? And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with some songs that, that I know. I'm going to start with a decade that I know. The, the decade that has the single greatest influence in my life, the greatest music the 80s. I knew I'd get an amen on that one. The 80s were, it, it, love songs were invented in the 80s. I don't know what happened before then, but it was, a, the 80s were just the best decade. How many of you would say that you, how many were in your, some teenage years in your 80s? Let me see your hand, in the 80s. Okay, that's, that's a good portion of us. How many remember the shoes of the 80s? Uh, anybody own a pair of Jordans in the 80s? Yeah, I did not. I had the poor kids' version of it, the British Knights. <laughs> Anybody have some BKs in here? Yeah, hold those hands up proud. I'll tell you what, you can trick out your BKs. Just pull out the white shoestrings and put in different colored shoestrings. That's why you trick them out. You can also push the tongue way out and put the shoestrings 
behind the tongue. All right, now y'all know the secret of the 80s right there. Also, for all the rich kids, they had the loafers, the penny loafers, right? Those kind of came back from the 50s and put real pennies in them. I never got that. I, I couldn't afford penny loafers. I did more of the, the pay less loafers. That's, that's the ones that I did. Uh, that's cool, though. Those, those are some of uh, our shoes back in the 80s. And uh, how many remember the braided belts? Yeah, some of y'all need to throw those away, all right? We're not in the 80s anymore. Uh, and how you could tell if it was a belt from the 80s is because there was about 18 extra inches that you looped through and just hung down. You know what I mean? Because you got to have that little, hold that leg as you got the swag going on, you know, a little cool. Got the limp, and that's the belt that did that. All right. Just so I'll let y'all know on that. Braided belts. Um, and, and let me just tell you, before Xbox, come on now, before Nintendo, there was one game system, and it was Atari. That's right. When I first started playing Super Nintendo with like our teenagers in our youth group, I'm like, what is this? There's like four buttons per finger. Like Atari, how many buttons did it have? One for ten fingers, all right? That, that was it. You, you had the controller. You had one for this thumb. That was it. Or if you could put it down, because when you wanted to go really fast, you could like alternate fingers, and you had the joystick. That was it. That was it. And if you were lefty, I always felt bad for the lefties, because they would like turn it, and they would button with their right hand, and then they would have to like, you had to remember that if you're going down, you're going right. If you're going left, you're going up, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And how many remember like when you're playing Atari in the 80s and your game started messing up? There was a very easy way to fix that, right? You pulled that cartridge out. Right? You just, you just that was tech support right there. You just plugged that thing right back in. You didn't have to turn off the game. Just plugged it right back in. Bam. Forget that 1-800 number, right? And then then there's some of the 80s movies. Y'all remember some of the 80s? The best. The best. Do you know there's an entire you can look up 80s movies in Amazon Prime and Netflix, they're all there. All of them that changed our lives. How many remember The Breakfast Club? Yeah, it's church. I mean, I understand. We can raise our hands. We, 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 the Breakfast Club was like a documentary of our lives, wasn't it? That's what it really was. And all of us fit into one of those six kids. That was us. You know, I was the, the Judd Nelson kind of guy. Not quite, not quite that bad. But, I mean, it was kind of the exaggerated version of us all, right? And they had, to go to, they had to go to Saturday detention. Anybody ever go to detention in here? I don't care what 80s you grew up in, right? What? There was just 12. Let me ask that question again. If you ever went to detention, could I please see your hand? Yeah. All right. Whew, I got scared for a minute. Thought I was in the minority. All right, we got this. Detention. This was Saturday detention, which I only had to go to a couple of times. We had... Uh, uh, do you remember ISD is what they called it, in-school detention, when like, they actually moved you out of your class into that class with those kids? And you didn't realize that you were one of those kids? Yeah, that's, that was in school. So that, like the breakfast club, it was cool. They made friends with the janitor, the cool janitor. One of my favorite 80s movies was Karate Kid. Do y'all remember Karate Kid? How many have not seen Karate Kid? Can I please see Lord Jesus, right now, and bless them, help them. I, I would, as your pastor, I would advise this weekend renting Karate Kid and changing your life, okay? It, it is, it's the, it, how many understand that when Ralph Macchio, he's getting bullied, 
and he goes to the little Asian guy in the community, right? Because all Asian people know karate, right? The most stereotypical thing ever, and nobody griped about it. We just all loved it. We just thought it was great. In fact, you probably, if you grew up in the 80s, you probably asked one of your Asian friends to teach you karate after Karate Kid. That's the straight truth. And he goes to Mr. Miyagi, right? And Mr. Miyagi says, I want you to, I want you to clean my car, right? I want you to wax my car, right? This is, this is what? Ooh. And then I want you to take the wax off, which is... Yeah, but see, here's what he didn't know. Here's what he didn't know. It's a karate move. You got me, right? And they go. And then what was it on the fence? Sun defense. Sun defense. Paint defense. Remember that? You had to get the wrist just right. It's some secret Asian karate move. And then my favorite. Remember the favorite? After he learned all of those things, this karate kid changed all of our lives. Because we thought when Mr. Miyagi taught Danielson. To stand on that post in the ocean. Y'all remember this. What's this called? The crane move. No can defend. When done properly, no can defend. You know what that means? When, when they're going to sweep the leg, no can defend. Right? I didn't want to rip my pants. I was going light there. <laughs> Listen, I thought about this. We, we can do this all out and look cool, or you can walk like this the rest of the message. No, we're just, we're just going to do the little hop, okay? I'm telling you, 80s changed our culture. It did some of the coolest things, some of the wildest things. And then you get into the music of the 80s. Now, I'm not talking church music. We have the best church music now. Like, worship music's the best. Back then, okay. But the radio music... The love songs. And you know what we did, teenagers? Y'all with me on this? this? Here's what we did. We invented. All right. All right. We invented the mixtape in the 80s. Okay. Y'all have playlists now. What, is, what kind of effort does that take? Nothing. I like that song, that song, that song. Send it. That's it. That's all you do. Let me tell you how to make a mixtape. All right. First of all, you have to have what? You have to have a boom box. Not a cassette player. That's one speaker. All right. You had to have a boombox, multiple speakers that would drain all 16 of your D batteries in about five minutes, all right? You had to plug it in because they had big speakers with, with, if you, were, if you were cool, you had the super bass button. Remember that? Because it doesn't sound quite right. And you push that and it's, and, oh, it's perfect now because the super bass in, but it would drain your battery. But here's how we had to make a mixtape. So in your mind, you have these incredible songs. But you, you didn't want to go buy all the different cassettes, right, and put one song in there. So what you do, are y'all with me? Come on, 80s kids, I need to hear from you. You would call the all-request hotline on the radio. Y'all remember that? How many has ever called that before? How many have stood on hold for half your lifetime as a teenager waiting for the DJ to pick up? And you know there's not that many people on the phone, right? But you had to call the radio station, and you would request the songs you wanted. Give them a couple. Give them a couple of songs. Play this one or this one. And then what you had to do is put it on that station. And you had to get your boom box ready, right? You put your cassette in. And then you had to push record and play. And then what was the third button you had to push? Pause. Right? You had to get it ready. So when your song came on, you had to listen all night long. And when your song came on, you hit pause. And it would start recording. 
and it would record your song, and your goal was to hit pause again before the DJ would come on and say whatever the song was, and you would do that day after day after day after day after day to get you eight or ten love songs so you could give it to your girlfriend or to your boyfriend. I don't know if girls, did girls make mixtapes? I didn't, I never got a mixtape from a girl, I don't know. I know us fellas, we made mixtapes, man. I had a box of them. We're just trolling, you know what I mean, just fishing. <laughs> Somebody answer. <laughs> that's how you made a mixtape. And it wasn't any big deal if you're listening to that. You, that song just conveyed how they felt for you. That's what it was. Y- y- y'all know some of them. Let me, I wrote down some of them. Let, let's see if you can finish them. All right, here we go. I'm gonna, I can't sing, so just already know that. All right, y'all help me out. I just called to say... I love you. Oh, yeah, I got to sing when I stop, okay? You can't get die down with me. All right. Uh, here's another. I think this is Foreigner. I think. I can't remember. I've been waiting for a girl like you to come into my life. <laughs> yes. Right? How many, this is a little peppier. Do y'all remember this one? It takes two to make a... Yeah. It takes two to make it... Yeah, and then it goes on, and then you go, hit it, right? And it's, y'all remember what's next, right? I want, oh, I heard it. I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass, and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known. I've been known to rock the microphone. It's like four of us that listen to that song. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I did this around my bedroom. My daughter just yelled, Stop. My bedroom with a rolled up magazine, seeing a little Rob bass, working on my moves. You know how it is? Waiting for that song to come on and make my mixtape. I'm telling you, that there are some skills involved with attraction. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have it laid out. You gotta know what and in the 80s, man, we learned those skills. When you're a teenager, you, you learn a lot of things from culture. You learn a lot of things from the friends you hang out with, what's popular, all of that kind of cool stuff. You learn things that your buddies teach you. You learn things from your parents, things you do want to do and don't want to do, right? From your parents. You learn all kinds of stuff. My goal today is we're going to talk about the art of attraction. And we're going to talk about the correct way to be attracted, to look attractive, we're going to talk about the correct way because so many times in our culture, actually at the end of this message, let's think about this today. Our culture teaches us the exact opposite of the correct way to attract somebody or be attracted to somebody. It teaches us the exact opposite. And we can't figure out why so many of our relationships don't work. It's because we're learning from everybody else the incorrect way. And I would think, as, as we learn the message today, and like I said, I'm going to be honest. We're going to talk about some things that PG-13, you know, if you're 13 on up, it'd be, it'd be fine. But I want to talk about some things that, like, that actually affect our relationships, that will actually help us in our relationships from here on out. How about that? Is that cool? Amen? You with me on that? And, and I'm going to start, we're going to, I'm going to list out the three types of attraction, all right? They're in your notes. It's important for us today because, remember, rule number one is this message is for you today. It's for you. And I'm believing that as, if God has taught us, as God has taught us throughout our lives, the different things that we've learned, today he's going to put some of those things in order. 
in the correct order. I've learned this. I've learned this. I've learned this. Now let's put them in order in order to help us be attractive and attract the right people and really say yes to the right people in our lives. The, the very first thing that should attract us to somebody that I was never taught this, that I've had to learn since being a believer, is spiritual attraction. Spiritual attraction is the number one. And believe it or not, there's a bunch of honest scriptures all through scripture, all through the Bible. Proverbs 31 is a really honest one. Here we go. Verse 30. Charm is deceptive. Can I get an amen? Beauty is fleeting. There's another good amen spot. But a woman or a man who fears the Lord is to be praised. Right? All of the things that the culture teaches us so many times that should attract you to somebody, those things change with the crowd. Those things change with our age. Those things change with time. Good grief. The things that attracted me when I was 20 years old have almost no bearing now. Almost none. Because I've learned over the last 25 years what should really attract me to somebody or the way I should be attractive to my spouse, to, to my wife. And spiritual attraction, can I just tell you, that's the one, here's, here's a good thing to remember, that's the one that gets better with age. That's the one that you learn more with age, you get wiser, you get smarter. There are less mistakes with spiritual attraction in your, in your relationships. And if you're single, if you're not married, and you're heading that direction, what, what, if you'd like to be married, can I tell you, you run your race spiritually first. You, you worry about what God wants in your life. And here, here's the way I look at it. You run after God, all right? You run your race. Don't worry about the, the guys and girls around you. You run your race. Don't be, don't be sidetracked by distractions of the opposite sex. That can distract you from what God's wanting in your life. You run that race. And here's what's great. As you're running your race, as you're chasing God, developing that relationship, if you look over in your race and there's somebody running beside you, you go, hey, this is somebody to take note of, right? There's somebody that's chasing God like I'm chasing God, somebody that's interested in the God things like I am. But don't, don't go right off the bat because how many of you know there's a lot of fakers on level one? Right? They look at you and they go, Woo, she's hot. I'm going to run up there beside her, right? But can I get an amen if you understand that this is a marathon and not a sprint? We're in this for the long haul. How many would like your relationships to be the long haul, not a sprint? Right? You get a little winded, Woo, beside her. Just go on, I'll find somebody else, baby. That's fine. But that's so much the way it is. You keep running. And let me tell you, when you get to the next level, when you get to the little spot of maturity, when you get to where God's wanting you next, then look over and see who's running with you. You know what I'm saying? Look over who's been through a couple of hard times, who's been through a couple of years in youth group or college ministry or in church. Look who is running and doing the spiritual things that you want to do, and there's step one. There's your spiritual attraction. Hey, this person's kind of like me. When Jenny and I started dating, it, it was way after, I mean, when I got saved, I, I told God, I had, I had got in church two years before, trying to clean up, trying to get, get my life right, all that had nothing to do with God, just trying to, hey, you're supposed to go to church to get right. And immediately found a girl and immediately got out of church because I thought this was a good girl. And she was a lot like me trying to find somebody to help her clean up, right? And it didn't work at all. And when I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ, when I came to church because it was an outward showing of my relationship with Jesus... That's when I said literally to my friends, 
to, to my spiritual leaders, listen, don't introduce me to girls. I don't want girlfriends. I don't want a girlfriend. I, I, all I'm interested in right now is like I'm so far behind. I need to run with Jesus. All right? And then, believe it or not, our, our, student, our youth pastor stepped down. They moved off somewhere, and they, they asked us youth leaders, would y'all, would y'all take care of the youth services? Sure. They put five or six of us in charge, and over a couple of months, everybody else kind of peeled off. And it ended up, Jenny and me were running these youth services. We weren't dating. We, we may have liked each other. Probably like, If I know me, I probably liked her. But we weren't, like, we weren't interested in each other. We were running our race. You understand? Like we were running with God and looked over and like everybody else had kind of fallen back. Their sides hurting. But the person running with me was still standing there. And I started getting attracted like, wow, she's not a quitter. She's wanting the same things in life I want. Hey, you know what? In our first date, you know what it was? Unofficial to Brahms after a Wednesday night service. I want to, I want to, let's talk about our lives, our spiritual lives. What was your conversion experience like when did you come to Jesus what do you want in life and that was the foundation of our entire relationship because if it's not going to work spiritually then charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting I need somebody that's going to be spiritually with me right not that I have to pull them up and get them to my level or that they're trying to pull me up and get me to their level I need somebody that's running with me so that we can run our race together amen let me give you three quick things under that to look for. Somebody that loves and worships God. Can I tell you, both those go together. If you, have, if you have a relationship with somebody and their number one in life is not to love and worship God, be their friend. That's it. Be their friend. Not their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their fiance. Be their friend. If, it, if it's meant to be, then hang out and let it develop. Let them develop. But if they don't love and worship God, do you want to raise a family with them? Do you want to get in the long-haul marathon with them and count on them at mile 26? Woo, I told you I was going to be honest. Let's, from this day forward, commit ourselves to finding people, relationships with Even if it's not marital relationships, it's business partners. That kind of, let's, let's look for people in our lives that are spiritually like us, that love and worship God. Amen? The second one... It's people that have godly standards. Woo! Paul encouraged Timothy. Because so many times what, the stage of life is an excuse, our age is an excuse, our experience, our bad experience is an excuse. Listen to what Paul encourages Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. He says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. And he, then here's where he charges him. But set an example for the believers. You, you get out, if you know how to do it right, then you go do it. Right? If you don't have to do it right for you, how you're wanting to live spiritually, then you go do it. You set the example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, in faith, and in purity. You go do it. And let me just tell you what's going to happen. As you rise to the top of your spiritual life, other people will rise with you, and God will show you the people you're supposed to be with. Exactly. When Jenny and I were chasing God, we started dating a little bit. We started asking hard questions. Listen, I don't want to get emotionally invested in this if you're some weirdo. You know, I'm like, I need to know the straight questions. I'm 23. It's, I'm, I'm not messing around. I'm like, I'm old enough. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm old enough. I want to know some things. Same way with her. Really more her than me. She was just quizzing me all the time. If it, if it passes the spiritual, 
Then we can go to the next level. But first has to be the spiritual test. The spiritual attraction. The spiritual connection. The spiritual unity together. And the third one is somebody that helps me pursue my God-given purpose. As a couple, you can't run two separate lanes. It's just not going to work. You may be super attracted to them. But if you're spiritually different planes, it's just a matter of time before you get so far apart it doesn't work anymore. You need somebody that's going to run with you. I'm not saying you have to have the same jobs or you know, drive the same cars, that kind of stuff, but somebody that's going to have the same standards as you, the same goals in life as you, spiritually first. Amen? Spiritually. The, the second emotional or the second attraction is emotional. After we get the spiritual, then we can give permission on these dates to, uh, to Brahms. That's where I'm trying to fill out, do I, do I get invested in this girl? That, does she invest in me emotionally? Can we get to the place where I go, now I'm really starting to like her. I mean, we're running the same race spiritually. Listen to what the Song of Solomon says in chapter 1. It's one of the two or three scriptures you can read in public out of the Song of Solomon, okay? The rest of them are like PG-13 and on up. Here it says this, Let, let me kiss him with the kisses of his, of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Can I, can I just let you know something? Like, this person is emotionally invested right now. Like they, when you figure out this person is spiritually the kind of person I'm attracted to. I'm running the race with this person. Like now, hold on, hold on, because they have godly standards. They, they want the same thing spiritually as me. We're, we're striving in the same direction. We're, we're, we're both not on like mile one of our spiritual race. We're, we showed that we're in this for the long haul. After that, you can give the keys to your heart over. I'm not worried about them misusing them as much, mis, misappropriating my love for them. Does that make sense? Because... They've shown that we got the same spiritual goals. We made mistakes. Believe me, we made tons of mistakes. We treated each other not the way we wanted to. And that when you, that's where you sit down and you go, what's our standard? Our standard is not what's in Cosmopolitan magazine, right? It's not what's on this website or what my buddies say. Our standard is what God says. So let's go back and look at that. And let's figure out how we can both advance in this. First, we have to forgive each other. Then we love each other. Then we want the best for each other. Let's do the things that God asks us to do so we can run the race together. First is spiritually attracted and then emotionally attracted. Let me give us a couple of pointers real quick on how we can do that, how we can build that emotional attraction. Something that usually there's one spouse that has to learn a little more than the other. And I can tell you that these things I've had to learn to play catch up in our relationship the first couple of years. But number one is to value them. It's to value them. Can I tell you that learning how to speak value into your significant, lifelong spouse is, is incredibly important for you? Well, I am, I am a bullet point person, all right? I've had to learn to be a story person because people want to tell me stories. My wife wants to tell me stories. Babe, get to the end. All I need to know, you're alive, okay, right? What happened? What happened at the end? Husbands, can I get an amen on any of this? I'm trying to fight, start fights, aren't I? So 
it was for our first couple of years, I would interrupt Jenny. She'd be telling me the story and going on and 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 on. And in fact, she even goes on and on for her because sometimes at the end of her sentences, she'll just go blah, blah, blah. Anyways, and, and I'm like, it's too long for you. You know, it's like, and at the end of that, I'll have to, I would go, I would go, can we cut to the chase? Like, what happened? What was the end? Like, the last paragraph. How about that? This is, and she would get mad. Can you believe that? I don't understand that. And we would have these fights. And then I had to learn, if I'm going to grow in this relationship, that's my goal, right? First of all, I want to treat her the way I want to be treated. I need to learn her language. And can I tell you, her four most beautiful words that she values the most that I have just got her wrapped around my finger. I walk in the kitchen, long day's work, and she starts telling me one of these long stories. And you know what I keep saying over and over and over that just she just loves? Y'all ready? And then what happened? <laughs> there needs to be a lot more writing down going on right now. And then another couple of minutes goes by, and I go, and then what happened? <laughs> really? That's awesome. And then what happened? And we can do that till the sun goes down. We can just go. And you know what? She loves that because do you know what one of her languages is? It's listen to me. Listen to me. That used to drive me nuts. You know what I have found out, though? Can I be real PG-13 with you? It pays off. If I listen, I don't have to tell her whether I care or not, right? That was one of my big mistakes in the beginning. I don't have to say, babe, I really don't care. Oh, man, don't ever say that. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be honest. If you can learn to value them like you want them to value you. When you value your spouse, who the Bible says when you get married, the two become one. When you value them, you're adding value to us. Learn to value the emotional side of your relationship. You don't want somebody that's like, you don't want to be married to you anyways, right? I don't want to be married to me. One of the reasons I was attracted to her is for her. I, I want to add value to our lives. Speak life to them. Be the second one. And the third one, and this, and this is very important. I almost didn't put it in there. I've never preached on this before. But can I tell you that it's your responsibility as the other half of the relationship to think good thoughts about your spouse. Do you know that out of the overflow, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. What's going on in here? Proverbs said, as a person thinks, so they are. Can I tell you, sometimes what I'm thinking is correct. I can think negative things that are correct. How many of you know we all have something negative in us, right? I can think correct things that are negative, but I can't think healthy things that are negative because I want to add value to us. If I continually think negative thoughts about this situation or her habit or whatever she's doing, one of these days, I can promise you, those days are not near far enough apart. One of these days, she's going to do something or say something or I'm going to feel a certain way and what I've been thinking for the last six months is going to come out best thing you can do is think good thoughts, address problems before they come out. That, that doesn't mean ignore those, but address them. But think good thoughts about your spouse. All of those, and so many more if we had time, but all of those add to the emotional attraction. Listen, when, when I say, hey babe, cut to the chase. Oh my gosh, you're killing me with this story. Can I tell you that kills my emotional attraction right there? 
But when I say, and then what happened? About three or four times, knowing that I honestly sometimes don't care. I'm just being honest. What I do care about, though, is how it's helping her and making me look emotionally attractive. Does that make sense? I, I want to add value. I want to do the things that speaks her language. And, and in return, she speaks the things uh, that's my language, and we add value to each other. The third and last one, after the spiritual attraction, somebody's running my race with me. We've jumped some hurdles. We've got the same goals. That's when I give the keys for the emotional attraction. I can start getting invested emotionally. I can start giving my heart over and my mind over and my goals for life, those kind of things over. Then, then the finale, then the physical attraction. That's when you give in to the, hey, besides you're amazing spiritually, besides your name is like perfume, uh-huh, you're smoking hot, Okay. Just got to tell you. But can I tell you, that, that can't be a part of the beginning. Let me, let me be real honest here. If that's part of the beginning, what happened? What do they say that? Let's see. What is the old saying that love is blind when it's about physical only? Can I tell you this? That no great godly relationships grow out of physical attraction alone. Woo! Here's the second half. But in great godly relationships, physical attraction continues to grow. Did you get that? If it's just based on the physical attraction, that you're not, if there's no spiritual there, you're not going to grow a just giant spiritual relationship. It's got to be founded on the spiritual. But let me tell you, when it's founded on the spiritual... When it's within the bounds of God, can I tell you, within those boundaries, physical can go nuts. Good spot for an amen right there. Y'all missed it. Physical can be amazing. No rules, right? That's as far as I'm going with that today. But it can be the best that there ever was. Because everything else is correct. When it's not correct, physical brings on guilt. It brings on shame. It brings on remorse, right? But when it's correct, it's in the right order. This is what God created. Let's see if we can make God proud. Y'all with me, right? Yeah, nobody, nobody else on the planet has ever thought that. Let me, let me just tell you, I believe that God created all these things we're talking about. And I believe it so well that I also believe that when we get to heaven and he says there's not marriage in heaven, the first thing you go, what? Yeah. And in fact, my stepmom was in an adult Sunday school class years ago, and the guy said, yeah, there's no marriage, the teacher, there's no marriage in heaven, it's a different agenda. And one of the ladies raised her hand, about 75 years old, and she said, so, no marriage, right? Well, right, it says that there'll be no marriage in heaven. Does that mean no sex? And the guy kind of looked around, and my stepmom, she said she was about to die, as everybody else was too. He said, well, I guess so. I guess that's what that would mean. And she said, well, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. (laughs) I wish I would have been in that class with my phone that day. But can I tell you that if God created something as great as a good marriage, that he has something even better for us. And this marriage relationship that we're working on now 
is just a glimpse, just a piece. Just like, like Paul said, looking through a tinted glass. We're just able to see figures moving around. That's, that's us looking at the eternal, the godly things. Those things, it's just a piece of the incredible scale of relationships that God has for us in eternity. How we handle relationships now. How we learn to put the spiritual first, then the emotional, and then the physical, and build on those determines a lot of our relationship with God and how that works. Amen? Today, let's do this. Let's pray and ask God to take these few scriptures and these few principles that we've talked about today and really do something supernatural in our lives. Listen, if we just learn, it does nothing for us unless we apply it. Knowledge correctly applied becomes wisdom in our lives, becomes supernatural wisdom. And let's, let's ask God to teach us, Lord, teach us spiritual attraction, what that looks like. Teach us emotional attraction and that entire package that's built right there. And then ultimately... Lord, show us the blessing, the beauty, the incredibleness of physical attraction, what it can be when it's correctly done. Amen? Let's do that together. Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have blessed us with. The, studying relationships is, is the old saying, like an onion. There's just so many layers. And Lord, there's so many layers in this room right now. There's so many relationships in our past. First and foremost, we're going to take care of those right now, today. Lord, we, each of us in this room, with past relationships, we give those to you again. We don't want the devil, the enemy, bringing them up, bringing shame and guilt back into our lives. That's gone. That's under your blood. That's been forgiven. That is thrown as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. That's what we're praying about our past relationships. Lord, today today. we pray that for the present, that you would help us to understand your word, that you would quicken it to our hearts, that you would let us digest it spiritually, supernaturally, and it become a part of who we are, become a part of our thinking, the way we look at people, the way we hear people. The way we understand, the way we emotionally feel, may all that be how you designed it, not distorted the way the world distorts it. And Lord, with our past taken care of, our future set in you, our our present set in you, we pray for our future. That from this day forward, you would guide us by your spirit. That your spirit would be our power, would remind us of the things you have said, that your word would be a a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, that you'd show us where to go, that you would connect us with the right people and disconnect us from the wrong people, that your spirit would give us the discipline and self-discipline that we need, the self-control, the intuition, the understanding, and ultimately, Lord, the wisdom that we need to develop right relationships in our life. I pray that from this day forward, you would grow us into the men and women that you've designed us to be from the beginning. First and foremost, being complete in you. Being complete in you. Our salvation in you before we can have it in anybody else. With your eyes still closed, I want to pray a prayer one more time for those that need to start on the right step first step 
on the spiritual step. If you're not surrendered to Christ today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, how in the world are you ever going to make another relationship work unless you first take care of the number one relationship in your life, your relationship with Christ? I want to pray a prayer for you today. And if you're deciding, if you understand today's the day, I need to take that step of faith, surrender my life to Jesus, start learning who I am in Him first. I want to pray for you, all right? I want to pray for you. If that's you, I won't call you up front or make you stand up. I'm not going to try to embarrass you or anything like that. But will you take the first step by just, while everybody's heads are bowed, will you just, will you just lift up a, a hand and let me see that that's you? If that's you, making that decision today. And you can put your hands right back down. Right back down. Awesome. Lord, I pray for these that raised their hand today. What an incredible first step. So proud of adults and teenagers that can step out in faith, Lord, and open up their lives and surrender it to you. Ultimately, Lord, we all want what you have for us. So as they raise their hand today, taking that first step of faith, Lord, will you do exactly what you said you would? Will you come into their life and forgive them totally, completely of their past? Help them to learn the lessons and forget the mistakes. And from this day forward, show them what incredible life you have for them, relationships included. But first and foremost, from this day forward, build their relationship with you, Lord. Walk with them and talk with them. Teach them how to live for you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.